If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contract to pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can do me a big favor by going on the iTunes page for this podcast, rating the podcast, leaving a review, and leaving your Twitter handle in that review. Because if you do that, you could be entered into our, no, you will be entered into our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Every week, we're going to pick a winner, and you could win a a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription, a $39.99 value. You get player grades, snap counts, position ranks, fantasy projections, NFL draft data. They have all of these signature stats that they use that I use all the time in my writing. There's so much good information there, and all you have to do to get it is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review. It could not be more simple. It is Vikings week, the second divisional matchup in three weeks, and the Minnesota Vikings come into this game 3-2, and two, coming off a win Monday night against the Chicago Bears. The Mitch Trubisky debut, Mitchapalooza, is now a thing, and the Vikings win 20-17. And I, I want to move toward the Vikings, but I want to put a bow on something that we discussed earlier in the week because I went back and watched the All-22 and found some interesting things. I, I wondered yesterday what this defense would look like moving forward. And after watching the tape, I think I have a better idea of what we should expect this weekend and moving forward, assuming Kevin King and Devon House are healthy. Clearly, Morgan Burnett in the slot was a reaction to poor play from Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins. And they want him as a safety and as a hybrid player. Now that Josh Jones can play the Nitro linebacker, they would like Morgan Burnett to be a safety. And I think they're right to want that. Now it takes him a little bit further away from the action, but he still can play in coverage against tight ends, against running backs in man coverage. He is still someone that they're going to put as a strong safety in the box near the line of scrimmage, they're going to blitz him. They're going to use him in all different kinds of ways. More to the point, Demarius Randall is going to be this team's slot corner moving forward as long as Kevin King and Devon House are healthy. 
And if one of those two guys is not, I think you're going to see Josh Hawkins in small doses. What we saw was Hawkins came in for house when he went out briefly. And I wrote about this for Acme Packing Company, and I I encourage you to go read the article because it breaks this down in much more depth. But once it looked like House was going to struggle with these cramps, they moved Randall outside and brought in Quentin Rollins. I don't think they want to do that. And they made it clear that they don't want to do that because in the second half, Blake Martinez had been playing so well and they wanted to have Josh Jones on the field that what they ended up doing is playing a more traditional nickel. Two down linemen, two rush linebackers, so that's four. Two normal linebackers. Normal being in quotes in this case because the Packers, Josh Jones is sort of a normal linebacker for them. They played Josh Jones plus three corners and two safeties. That could become something close to base for them given the way that Blake Martinez has played. They wanted Nitro as their base because of the speed that Morgan Burnett and the versatility that Morgan Burnett brings. But if Blake Martinez is going to give them that and they can have Jake Ryan on the field, this helps them stop the run and it gives them versatility, especially if Josh Jones is also on the field. You still have three corners. You can still play multiple receiver sets and you can have two safeties deep, nothing over the top. And this is crucial. We talked about it yesterday with Ryan Wood. Green Bay is not giving up big plays down the field. That is essential in a Dom Capers defense. Bend, do not break, get sacks, and get turnovers. And I think you're going to see a lot of base personnel. Green Bay played base almost 40% of the time against Dallas. They may play a little bit less against Minnesota because of Thielen and Diggs and Michael Floyd and some of the receivers that they have. They could split out Jarek McKinnon wide, and, and Green Bay might want to handle him with a with a cornerback. We'll see. But let's talk a little bit more about the Vikings specifically before we get to. Paul Allen is on for Opponent Wednesday to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. He's been at KFAN for 19 years as the voice of the Minnesota Vikings. He is one of the most unique play-by-play men in sports. He is opinionated. He is fiery. He is explosive. He is combustible. Go go Google some of his calls if you're not familiar with him. Some of some of the best calls of, of recent NFL times related to Brett Favre in, in particular, and I'm going to ask him about that, are, are Paul Allen's. And, and he's going to help us break down the Vikings. No one is closer. He sees this team every day. He calls every game. He's at practice. He's in the locker room. He knows this team inside and out. But a little bit before we do that, Dalvin Cook was on his way to a spectacular rookie season. He tears his ACL. He is out for the year. But then on Monday night, Jarek McKinnon, who has always been a popular sort of fantasy sleeper pick and has never performed consistently on any high level, was terrific against Chicago. 16 carries, 95 yards, and then six catches on 51 yards. He was the difference in this game. He scored a 58-yard touchdown run. He was dynamic in the open field. The Bears couldn't tackle him. He is going to be a problem for the Packers that they're going to have to account for in the run game, even without Dalvin Cook. Packer fans will remember Jarek McKinnon from a couple years ago when Julius Peppers made that incredible interception on Christian Ponder in the rain. And not only did Julius Peppers return that for a touchdown, he put distance between 
himself and Jarek McKinnon, who was one of the combine stars that year. That's how freaky an athlete Julius Peppers was. But they don't just have Jarek McKinnon. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen have been two of the best receivers in football to date this season. They have among the best passer ratings when targeted each of them. They're in the top five this year. They've been outstanding. And Stephon Diggs, Packer fans will remember, arguably the worst game of Demarius Randall's career last year. 11 targets for Diggs, 9 catches, 182 yards, and a touchdown at Minnesota last year. In a game the Packers lost 17-14. That was the game Sam Bradford was incredible. Two touchdowns, 71% completion percentage, 122 QB rating. Outplayed Aaron Rodgers despite getting his ass kicked up and down the field by the Packers front seven. He was under constant duress and it didn't matter. He made throws all over. Rodgers finished for 216 yards, a touchdown, the game-sealing interception, and completed less than 50% of his passes. This is going to be a tough game because the Minnesota defense is very good. Their advanced numbers are not as good as you would expect. They're 19th in DVOA per football outsiders, 17th in Dave, which builds in their their projection model into this season. But they're 23rd against the pass and 8th against the run. That is, that is not indicative of the quality of this defense. Now, one more thing before we bring in Paul. The offensive line for Minnesota has improved. Matt Khalil is out. Alex Boone is out. They brought in some new pieces, and they've played much better. But they still gave up four sacks and eight hits against the Bears Monday night. Sam Bradford was taken out after taking a horrible safety. He's not 100% healthy. It could be Bradford. It could be Keenum. We don't know. And I'm going to talk to Paul about that. This is an interesting spot for Green Bay to be in because they don't know which quarterback they're preparing for. Now, it's not that different to prepare for each because it's not like one is is some sort of dynamic Dak Prescott-like quarterback athlete and the other is Drew Bledsoe. They're pretty similar pocket passers with quick releases. They want to get the ball out and they want to let their receivers run with it. Green Bay wants to create pressure, create confusion, and make them guess wrong is basically is basically going to be the game plan. And that's what the Packers did last year at Lambeau against Sam Bradford and company in a game that, that didn't mean anything to the Vikings at that point, but the Packers needed. That was in the midst of their run the table. I'm sure you remember that. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. List. All right, Paul Allen on Twitter at PA on the mic. You can find him on KFAN 1003. He's been there forever. He is the play by play voice of the Minnesota Vikings. And you can find him anywhere there is there is Vikings anything, you will likely find Paul Allen. Paul, thanks for joining Lockdown Packers. My man, nice to meet you. So I'm going to start a couple years ago um, for the benefit of, of my audience because you got to call 
Brett Favre at the end of his career, and some of some of the most iconic plays of his career became some of your iconic calls. The uh, the one that jumps to mind is is your exasperation at the the interception in the NFC Championship game. So what was what was it like to call games of his because there were such excruciating lows but incredible highs as well. Well, I, I really enjoyed the um, the year and change he was on the team. You know, 2010, it kind of fell apart uh, with the um, the Jen Sturger situation mm-hmm. uh, with, with that video or picture or whatever early in the season. And it really never was the same in 2010, certainly as it was in 2009. You know, and um, and in, in working with Brett and, and maybe more significantly watching him work, you know, I, I, I really learned what went into – Hall of Fame quarterback play at a high level. And I started in 2002 when the quarterback here was Dante Culpepper. You know, and, and Dante had a near MVP season in 2004. And mm-hmm. Dante with Randy Moss and, and some other components to the offense, Dante was really good. Uh, Brett Favre just did it at a different level. And his huddle presence and his inherent leadership skills and, you know, watching some of the younger guys on the team like Percy Harvin, Sidney Rice, and Adrian Peterson – just really look up to Brett and and give that little extra it takes to I guess nearly get to the Super Bowl. Uh, that was very impressive, and he um, he certainly is an iconic figure. And uh, it was my pleasure uh, working with him for a season and change. It seemed like too his play style married well with your style calling games. I mean, I'm I'm thinking of one play in particular. He threw a pick six, and I think your call was something just like he threw it right to him. It was just sort of like this, this, like, I can't believe he just threw it right to the defender. Yeah, that was a Monday night football game against the New York Jets. Um, and it was the first game after that Jen Sturger situation. You know, so um, not only was there a delay, a weather-related delay of 90 minutes that night, which was frustrating, it was a Monday night football game. He threw it to uh, Dwight Lowry. Uh, I remember it vividly. And... Um, and, you know, even um, even in, in, in 2009, you know, we, um, you know, granted, he, um, he he didn't get us beat when we were at Soldier Field late in the season. We lost in overtime. But um, the, the end of the 2009 season was a little herky-jerky where we started 6-0. and And, you know, he had a dramatic victory in, in week three against the 49ers where he found Greg Lewis, who mm-hmm. just joined the team. And, um, you know, at the end of the season, shoot, he, on uh, Sunday night football, he almost got pulled in a one-point game. Uh, and a loss to the Carolina Panthers. So it, um, yeah, the uh, the the highs were high and the lows were low. But um, I mean, that that's kind of the nature of the game, you know. Whether whether you're calling a Tavares Jackson, Kelly Holcomb, Gus Farad, <laughs> Christian Ponder, or Brett Favre game, that's just that's just kind of how it works around here. Yeah, I, I had almost forgotten some of those names until you said them. That uh, that must have been a treat. Speaking of almost getting pulled and, and getting pulled, we saw Sam Bradford on Monday night get the hook. What, do you think that was more about his play or his body, or, or what, what was the explanation for that? Yeah, that Monday night situation blew me away um, because, you know, I, I, I watch Vikings practice, and I'm pretty much at at least two of the three practices during the week, and you know, in, in watching Sam up to that Bears game, even plant on that bulky left knee at practice, granted not a game situation, but practice, I thought he looked great. And, and I was really excited for him to rejoin the mix on Monday night. And, you know, from uh, from the early stages of that game to um, him, him overthrowing short routes and 
and undershooting long things and taking a needless safety uh, in, uh, in the end zone to Leonard Floyd where he kind of held the ball for five seconds. It just wasn't the Bradford that, that I had come to know last year and through one game this season. So, you know, I think the um, I think his mental capacity, uh, Sam's very competitive and he's very smart, you know, but I think given his knee situation was really bugging him, I think it mentally affected him. And honestly, they had no choice but to pull him. And, you know, when they did, Case Keenum came in and looked great. And he, he looked great a couple weeks ago as well. I mean, it's not like he can't play. Well, the thing with Case, and, and I didn't know much about Case until he got here. And, you know, honestly, in, in watching Case a lot during the offseason and during training camp, um, I was not overwhelmed. And, and it's not like I didn't think he would make the team, you know, but I didn't, I didn't really know what to think of, of our backup quarterback situation. Now, you know, I never really thought it would come to a situation where he potentially would have to start multiple games. Uh, because Bradford's 2016 behind a bad offensive line with no running game was fantastic. I mean, Sam was fantastic last year for the most part, as as Packers fans will remember, mm-hmm. you know, from that first um, uh, game at U.S. Bank Stadium week two last year where Bradford was terrific. Um, but um, with Keenum, it was, then we got into the preseason games. And, you know, he was in a legitimate battle with quarterback Taylor Heineke for backup duties to Sam. And Case came into those games and just killed Taylor. And I'm quite fond of Taylor, and, and I, I would have made Taylor favored to win that job. And Case rolled into this thing like, all right, I've been around five years. I set a NCAA record for passing yards of 19,000 and change. And now you're telling me I have to compete for a job with an undrafted guy from Old Dominion. And Case, <laughs> his competitiveness was fantastic. And he was dynamite in the preseason. So, you know, then we get into the regular season and Sam has this knee deal. And I re- really, I draw a line through the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Um, that was a really, really weird week where Sam made the trip with us to Pittsburgh week two. And it's the Steelers home opener and they never lose in their home opener. And Bradford's warming up on the field three hours in advance of the game. And, you know, I thought there was a chance Sam could play. So Case didn't really know he was going to play that day. And, and he was middle of the road at best. Uh, but then in his next opportunity, he just absolutely walloped the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And then in, in, a, in a home loss to the Lions, he wasn't bad. You know, he, he made some plays. We just kept fumbling the ball and sadly lost to the Lions. And then he comes in in this Monday night football game where, you know, Bradford got a fair amount of the reps in practice up to this Bears game. And, and you know, Keenum kind of had the right to think to himself, I've, I've done everything you've asked me to do. This guy has a bad knee, yet, you know, we're, we're going to go with him because Sam checked all the physical boxes. And Keenum rolled into this Monday night game, and when he got an opportunity, he just seized it. I mean, he, he was absolutely terrific and in command, and he played fast, and his passes were accurate. And, yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed with uh, what Case Keenum has brought the Minnesota Vikings. I know Hard Knocks isn't real life, but I what, when Case was on the Rams and they had the Hard Knocks, he he did not seem impressed with Jared Goff, and he was not he didn't seem happy that he had to compete with this guy. And so I'm not surprised right. to hear you talk about him that way. Like, really, you're making me compete with this with this nobody. I'm, I'm I've started and won NFL football games. This is this is a right. weird situation for me to be in. But I want to transition to the guys he's throwing the ball to because. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen this year, they've been awesome. And the the what we saw from Thielen last year, 
I think there were a lot of people that was wondering, were wondering, is that a mirage? Is that real? It looks real, and Stefan Diggs looks like he could be a bona fide superstar if he can stay on the field. Well, I mean, in a couple of games against Green Bay last year, in the in the first game at U.S. Bank Stadium, Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, whatever corner they wanted to roll out there, they wanted nothing to do with Stephon. They couldn't cover I mean, him. They couldn't cover him, and and he absolutely scorched them in week two. You know, and then we come to Lambeau near the end of the season, and and we're in a non-playoff situation, and we had just gotten bludgeoned by the Indianapolis Colts at home in a weird game. And granted, Green Bay blows us out, but Thielen goes for two o two, and and really there were situations in that game where they couldn't cover him. So whether it's Diggs, Thielen, Kyle Rudolph to a certain extent, you know, now we have Michael Floyd in the mix. The uh, uh, the the receiving situation for this team is pretty good. And if they can run the ball, and they did at Soldier Field for about 159, you know, then it opens things up. And, and I saw that with, with the Bears' defense. Now, you know, I know Green Bay's defense has, has had some struggles this year. And, and honestly, from the minute they lost Micah Hyde, I felt they would miss Micah Hyde. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of his and the utilization of three safeties, the way Dom Capers used him. And and I have a high level of respect for Morgan Burnett and Haha Clinton Dix. I mean, they're both very, very good and probably set to get big paydays too. But um, you know, losing Micah Hyde kind of lost some of the heart and soul of that defense on the back end. But um, you know, I, I I I sense they're going to recover if they can get a pass rush and they're gonna need to this game because uh the, the Vikings without Dalvin Cook are going to throw the ball. And whether it's Sam Bradford or Case Keenum. Uh, both quarterbacks feel markedly more secure behind this revamped offensive line than they did at any time last year. And they, um, I'm certainly not going to say they're a throw for throw first operation, but this passing game is good and um, it's going to make for an interesting Sunday. Yeah. Micah Hyde leads the league in interceptions right now. So it's hard to say that they, they couldn't, they couldn't benefit from a guy who, um, has that kind of playmaking ability. The the Vikings defense, though, for for the reputation that they have, they're 19th in DVOA right now for from football, football outsiders, 23rd against the pass. They haven't been as locked down as their personnel would suggest. They weren't as locked down as they were last year. What's the what's the yeah. difference right now? For I don't them? know about that, man. I mean, I mean, we 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 can take metrics, and you know, we can take pro football focus, football outsiders, and all that. And, you know, I, I have a certain degree of respect for the work they put in to the metrics they develop. That defense I saw against the Detroit Lions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints, to a certain extent the Pittsburgh Steelers for a fair amount of the game and against the Bears is as good as anybody's defense in the NFL. I mean, they sacked Matthew Stafford six times. They dropped three interceptions. You know, they and, and yeah. that that's the big reason they lost to the Lions is they couldn't hold on to passes that were thrown right to them. Now they're going against Mitchell Trubisky making his debut on Monday night football, you know, and, and, and Mitchell has a lot to learn. Obviously he was a 50% guy that Monday night, but, um, but really the, the, the pass rush, the way the linebackers are playing, Trey Waynes is tackling as well as any corner in the NFL right now. Uh, this, I, I would take this Vikings defense in any situation against any team in the NFL, any time. You know, and, and, and I guess when you're playing the best overall quarterback in the game in Aaron Rodgers, you know, it, it's put your money where your mouth is uh, come this Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium. And, and I feel really, really good about this defense, specifically the pass rush. 
Now, there was a weird story about this defense last year at the end of the year that there was maybe some disagreements with the coach on on coverages to play and what was going on there. And I, I seem to recall it revolved around specifically the Packers and, and how they were going to cover Jordy Nelson. Do, do you right. Can you shed any light on, on what was really going on there? Well, I'm, I'm sure there were there there was a situation or were situations where Terrence Newman and or Xavier Rhodes did not do exactly what the head coach wanted them to do. But to, to stretch the story and indicate that players went rogue on a head coach that they, they have immense respect for, mm-hmm. um, I thought A was out of line and, and B it was wrong. You know, and being around the facility as much as I am and, and hearing people talk about that story, they were just laughing at those on the outside who were just taking mm. a morsel and trying to make it into a meal. So I have no doubt that, that things did go amiss and that there probably were guys who jettisoned their assignments for whatever the reason. But um, the, the players have too much respect for the collective unit of this defense and the man who orchestrates it to cause a mutiny or go rogue on a head coach. I mean, end of the equation, you know, Xavier Rhodes is one of the best corners in the NFL. And if you get Xavier to open a vein about all these receivers he's faced during his career, and he's done well against Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown, Calvin Benjamin. I mean, Xavier has shut down the best of the best. Mm -hmm. He will say Jordy Nelson is the toughest cover for him in the NFL. And it's the way Jordy runs his routes. I've said for years, I think Jordy is the best boundary receiver in the NFL. I mean, he he works the sidelines and breaks off his routes. He just brings in everything by the boundaries. He's just really, really tough. And, and you know, he's been a handful for Xavier. So, you know, for Jordy to have a big game at Lambeau against any defense, let alone Xavier Rose or whomever, that, that at times is commonplace for Green Bay. And just building on what you're saying, every star player has disagreed with his coach about scheme at one time or another – and has gone rogue. J.J. Watt might be the best defensive player in a generation, and he freelances all the time. So uh, I, I totally understand what you're saying, that, that it was it happened, but not the way that it was described. Correct. So I'll, I'll get you out of here on this. Um, I, I Frankly, I don't think it matters who is the quarterback for this team because I think they're going to attack the Packers in the same kind of way. After watching what we saw from from both teams Monday and Sunday, um, just what is your what is your feel for how this game is going to go in terms of how it's going to look on Sunday? Well, with the with the Green Bay game against Dallas, and I've nearly completed watching it back. Um, you know, watching it back from an all twenty two standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, the the cold blooded nature of Aaron Rodgers speaks for itself. We've all seen that a million times. And, and that's why I think he's the best overall quarterback in the NFL. The run at the end of the game was unbelievable. Uh, the pass to Devontae Adams to win it was spectacular. Uh, the thing that really impressed me in patches of that game with Green Bay is how they got Dallas into their nickel defense and they ran into it. Mm-hmm. And when they showed run, they passed. And they, they, they just they had Dallas's linebackers and defensive linemen all screwed up. Now, you know, I, I think the Vikings defense is better than Dallas's. I mm. think it's more disciplined. I think the linebackers are better uh, with Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter and Linval Joseph. I like those three as much as, as any member of the Dallas Cowboys defense, period. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, given the game is at U.S. Bank Stadium, 
Um, I think the Vikings defense will represent itself very well in this contest against Aaron Rodgers. Now, with the Vikings off the uh, off the tightly contested win uh, at Soldier Field, you know, it's very difficult to handicap games week by week in the NFL, you know, where you can look at it and be like, all right, well, you know, Dallas is a potential playoff team, and Green Bay went there and won a high-scoring game, and the Vikings barely beat a team that probably will win two or three games. You know, conversely, Cincinnati was garbage when it came to Lambeau Field, outplayed Green Bay and should have won and didn't. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's really difficult to go back and forth like that. Uh, The border battle identifies itself in its own way each game. And, And, you know, for the Vikings with the defense, the way they're playing it now, and the fact that their offensive line with Riley Reef, the left guard, whomever it is, because our left guard got hurt Monday night, rookie center Pat Elfline, you know, he, he's very tough, very tenacious, major upgrade from what we had last year. Joe Berger and Mike Rimmers at right tackle. The, this offensive line has given the quarterback and, more importantly, the coordinator, more confidence to throw the ball more frequently and, and break off intermediate routes with crosses where you get good yards after catch. And, you know, not, not trash-talking the Packers or anything, but there have been problems on the back end of that defense. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, if Mike Daniels, Claymaker, or whomever, Nick Perry, if they're not getting to the quarterback, then the back end of that defense gets in trouble. So I think that would be the recipe initially to, to try to attack that team. Now, if, 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 this, if this rookie from UTEP is going to run every week the way he ran against the Cowboys, the NFL's in a lot of trouble because – if you give that quarterback a bona fide running game, as Packers fans have seen at times, you know, when Eddie Lacy was healthy and happy, and then, and then the Packers would be maybe the favorite to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. But, you know, Aaron is still very young in his career. He's going against a very good run defense that just did a really good job against Jordan Howard. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to be a supreme challenge for the Vikings defense Sunday, but it's going to be, in typical fashion, a wonderful, wonderful game. Yeah, Green Bay is a three and a half point favorite right now, and and in some ways that line is a little unfair because the Vikings are at home. This is this is going to be a close game, and I think going to be a really good game. So, Paul, I appreciate you coming on the show, and look forward to hearing the highlights from your call after the game. It's my pleasure. Uh, nice chatting with you, and enjoy the game. I want to thank Paul again for joining Locked On Packers. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at pa on the mic. You can listen to his calls at KFAN. You can, I'm sure you can find the highlights on Twitter. If you just YouTube some of those calls we talked about, they are classics. And I can't believe his memory, the recall, to know not just the, the, the play I was talking about, the game, when it took place. I mean, that is incredible recall. I, I'm, I was blown away by that. I, I was thinking it was the Jets. I couldn't actually find the call. I went to Google it and couldn't find the call. And for him to just know it like that was incredible. So I, I'm, I'm glad that he came and was able to share his insight. He knows this team extremely well. And speaking of guys who know this team well, Kevin Seifert is going to be on the show tomorrow for the scouting report. We're going to break down a little bit more in depth the matchups in this game, what to expect in this game. And then it's going to be football time. So once again, please go and rate the podcast. Tell a friend about the podcast. Tweet about it. Put it on Facebook. Put it on. Put it on a. Put it on a flag, and fly it. Write it in the sky. 
They still have Skyriders, right? You can still do that. Locked on Packers. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. And you know what to do. Until tomorrow, stay Locked on Packers. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. List. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. List.